lot of us <clears throat> have problems with our eyesight. It's one of those things. My, my eyes have not have never really been all that bad uh, up until lately. Uh, and one of the uh, most irksome things is that uh, I, I worked in machine shops for uh, a long time. And one of the things that every machinist has got is a little stainless steel ruler, a little six-inch scale. Uh, and uh, most of them have some really, really fine graduations on one side. Uh, the ones that I normally used were graduated in 64ths of an inch on the bottom, and I used to brag that if I had sharp edges to measure from, I could use that six-inch scale, and I could measure something to plus or minus about seven-thousandths of an inch. And I proved it several times, and now I can't see the ruler. Uh, age gets to you after a while. But people have trouble with their eyesight, and it's oftentimes just really, really inconvenient. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter is talking about people that are spiritually nearsighted. For he, and this is the, uh, the New King James rendering, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness. He's saying that, that there is someone who is, is so short-sighted, so nearsighted, all they can see are the things that are right immediately in front of them. And he said, this condition has gotten so bad that you could basically call them blind. They're legally blind, spiritually speaking. They can't see anything that's not right in front of them. Now, if you were just talking about worldly people, you could see that. But the problem is, as Peter goes on, he says, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Peter is not talking about worldly people. He's talking about Christians. These are people who at one time were cleansed from their sins, but something has happened so that they can no longer see at any distance. They can't see those things that are, are out a ways in front of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, Paul talks about the things which are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. So when, when Peter here is talking about people that are, are short-sighted or near-sighted, spiritually speaking, he's talking about people that are looking at material things. They're, they're not able to see spiritual things anymore. And it's to the point that they're blind. One of the really big problems with this condition is that it is so easy to fall into. It is extremely easy for us to fall into. We live in a material world. And we have no choice but to deal with material things. We cannot avoid it. Not this side of eternity. We have jobs that we have to go to. We have to earn money to, to buy food for ourselves and our families. We have to clothe ourselves and our families. We have to provide shelter for ourselves and our families. We have things in this material world that we have to do. We don't have a choice. 
But what Peter is talking about is, is people who only focus on those things. And they have, they have lost sight of the eternal things. Jesus talked about this, this kind of, of uh, a person over in Luke chapter 8. In the parable of the sower, when he's talking about the seed that is sown among the thorns, he says that, that the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life choke the word, and it brings no fruit to maturity. And that's exactly what, what Peter is talking about here. Someone who is short-sighted or nearsighted, the, the, the cares, the pleasures, problems, and good things alike have, have taken their attention to the point that they can't focus on spiritual things anymore. And it, 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 it's a serious, serious problem. Uh, you know, over in, uh, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about uh, this kind of materialistic attitude that people oftentimes have. And uh, it, it's one I like to, I like to think about. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell people oftentimes when I, when I deal with this, that if, if you mark in your Bible, and I do, uh, take a pencil and underline all the times you find the word worry or, or a version of it there in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He says don't worry about these things. And that's what we do. We, we worry about material things. We, we get obsessed with material things. It, it, it's one of those things, and this is one of those things I've, I've thought about more uh, lately than I used to in days past. I don't know if it's because I've gotten a little bit wiser as I've got older uh, or because I just have more time to think about things. But uh, our entire society is based on selling you things that you don't need. And we have a whole class of people out there that have no function other than to convince you that you need things that you don't. We buy things that we don't need so the people that make those things have jobs so that they can earn money to buy things that they don't need. It's just a vicious circle. 
You know, that's, that's what our entire economy is based on. And they'll tell you that if you ask. Consumption. That's what we do. We consume. And we are consumed with the idea of material things. You know, they will tell you the car you have is not good enough. You need a better one. The house you have is not big enough. You need a bigger one. The clothes you wear are not fashionable enough. You need different ones. You need more and more and more. I saw a commercial, and this is one of those things that irritates me to no end, is commercials lie to you up one side, down the other, constantly. Well, this commercial was, was focused at, at younger people, and uh, the whole idea behind it was is if you buy our product, you're buying a better product, clothes. That means you can wear them longer which means you don't throw them away as often, which means you waste less, which means you're gonna save the planet. And I thought, what kid wears clothes until they wear them out? Now, old guys like me will do that. Kids won't. I've got a shirt that I got somewhere that, that was, uh, it's got a date on it. I, I kind of like to wear it now because it has the date on it. It's like 2002. And I still wear the thing all the time. Old guys will wear stuff until they wear it out or until their wife gets tired of being seen in public with them wearing it and then they throw it away when you're not looking. Kids don't. They're convinced that what they've got's not fashionable enough. I need to get rid of that. And they'll throw it away or they'll give it to Goodwill or something like that. But we're so materially focused. And one of the big problems that we've got nowadays is that children grow up in a house where their parents have quite a few things. And when they get married and get out on their own, they think I'm supposed to have everything that mom and dad had. And they don't stop to think about the fact that mom and dad were working for that for 30 or 40 years. They didn't just get it overnight, so, but they want it all now. I want it all and I want it now. A material mindset. You know, and if you stop to think about most of these things, they're, they're, they're things that we are convinced to believe. You know, what, what is the function of a, a vehicle to get you safely and comfortably from point A to point B? And you can have a car that costs $10,000 that will do that. Or they'll convince you to buy a car that costs $60,000 that will do that. But is one actually better than the other one? No, not unless you want to show it off to your friends. You know, what's the function of a house? To keep the rain off, to keep you warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And you can have a, a modest house that will do exactly that. Or you can go spend a whole ton of money and have one that does exactly the same thing, but it's more impressive to your neighbors. We're materially minded. And now, there, there, there is nothing wrong with having things. Again, when you think about what Jesus says about the cares, the riches, and pleasures of life, He's not saying that cares, riches, and pleasures of life are bad. He's not saying that we can't have things, but he is saying that those things can choke out the word if all of our attention is, is focused on them. If we're just focused on accumulating more and having more, then eventually we start to forget that we were cleansed from our old sins. We start to forget the spiritual things. And that's a bad, a, a bad thing. 
in, uh, in Psalm 119, verse 37, the psalmist said, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Stop focusing on the material to the exclusion of the spiritual. You know, the, the thing is, is that we need to be more aware of what is important in life. Again, when you look at, at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He says, if you will seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, you'll have what you need. Not what you want, but what you need. You know, and, and one of the things about materialism and the whole materialistic mindset is, is we are focused so much on temporary things. Go back and, and read the book of Ecclesiastes because Solomon spends a lot of time with this, talking about the whole idea of, you know, I'm going to work my entire life to accumulate all this stuff, and what's going to happen? I'm going to die and leave it to somebody else, and who knows if he's going to be a wise man or a fool. I've worked my entire life for this, and somebody's going to come along behind me and waste it all. You know, how worthless is that? In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 5, Solomon said, Will you set your eyes on that which is not? Something that has no real existence. For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. They're here and then they're gone. You know, one of the things that you, if, if you read about the uh, stock market crash uh, back in the 20s, you, all, you, you, you hear all the time about a lot of people committing suicide because they'd lost everything they had. And there was a certain amount of that that happened, but not to the extent that the, uh, the media makes it out. But uh, the problem with a lot of people is not that they were absolutely destitute. It's just they didn't have what they thought they did. A lot of their, their profits in the market were paper profits. You know, it, they, it kept going up and up and up, and they thought, oh, I've got this much money, this much money, this much money, but it was in the market, and when the market crashed, all of a sudden they didn't have it anymore. It was gone. And so they didn't have all of the things that they thought they did, and they were devastated because I thought I was a millionaire, and now all I've got is $100,000, which back in those days was a whole lot of money. You know, they thought they had something, and then it was gone. And that can happen to us now. You know, we can, we can focus our minds on material things. We can accumulate a lot of material things, and they can be taken away from us. And it can happen quickly. Whether you've got money in the stock market or, or whether you have bought and accumulated things that you have, they can still be taken away quickly. It can happen. And if, if that is the most important thing in your life, where are you going to be when it happens? You know, oh, I spent my life accumulating this and now it's gone. What do I do? What do I do? Materialism is short-sighted. You know, short-term gain for long-term loss is a fool's bargain. It never pays off. 
And if we are going to sacrifice eternity for material things that we're going to lose in this life, whether we lose them before we die or whether we lose them at the time we die, if we're going to sacrifice eternity for those things, that's a fool's bargain. We need to be less material-minded. You know, stop worrying about those things that are temporary. And having a good time, there are a lot of people that that's the only thing in this world they care about is having a good time. And there's nothing wrong with having a good time as long as it, it, it's within, uh, you know, proper bound lines. You know, there are things you can do to enjoy yourself that are perfectly all right as a Christian. Some things you shouldn't do. But if that's the only important thing to you, then you have serious problems. And we get, we get over, overwhelmed sometimes by cares. And again, that's an easy thing to do. It's something that can happen to us really before we know it. I like, uh, I like the story about uh, Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Jesus has come to the home of, of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Uh, and he's there. And there are several other people that are there. Uh, and he's teaching them. And Martha is trying to be a good hostess. She has guests in her house, and she is trying her best to take care of them. And Mary's not. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he's got to say. And Martha really gets irritated about this. She gets irritated to the point that she comes to Jesus, and she says, Do you not care that my sister's not helping me? I've got all this serving to do. I've got all these guests in my house. I'm trying to take care of them, and my sister won't help me. Would you tell her to get up and come and help me? And Jesus tells her, Martha, Martha, you are, are worried about many things. She was distracted, it says, with much serving. She's worried. She's troubled. And Jesus says you're worried and troubled about the wrong thing. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part. Being a good hostess is not a bad thing. There is nothing wrong with it. But when we are distracted, when we are worried and troubled about material things to the point that we don't pay attention to spiritual things, then it's a bad thing. Good things become bad things when they keep us from better things. There are a lot of things in this world that are not bad things in and of themselves. There is nothing wrong with them. But if they are going to take our attention away from, from God, from, from the Christ, from doing his will, if they are going to keep us from doing that, then now they are bad things. They've distracted us, and it's so, so easy to do. Like I said, we live in a material world, and we have to pay attention to these things. And it's really, really easy to just, you know, go a little farther, a little farther, a little farther until the fact that that's all we're paying any attention to. We have forgotten about the, the, the Lord. We have forgotten about living the Christian life. We've forgotten about doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're spiritually nearsighted. We've forgotten. It's easily done. Money, there's nothing wrong with money. You know, that's one of those things people oftentimes 
will quote 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, they'll tell you that money is the root of all evil. They're not quoting it, actually. They're misquoting it because that's not what it says. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. People love money to the point that they're going to do whatever is necessary to get it. This is what's important to me, and that's what I'm going after, and if I have to be a little shady this way or that, then that's what I'll do, because that's what's important to me. And he says, no, it's not. You know, think about the rich young ruler. Over in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 24, this is one of those things. You have, you have a person who has so many good qualities, you know, and this is another one of those cases where you need to take all of the gospel accounts and put them together in order to get a better picture of exactly what's going on. But you have a, a, a young man. He's also described as being rich and ruler of the people. He runs to Jesus. He is anxious to hear what Jesus has to say. Good master, what, what, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? He's got the right attitude. He came to the right person. He asked the right question. And Jesus essentially told him, you know, follow the law of Moses. The law of Moses was still in effect at that time. He said, that's what you do. He said, I've done that. Done that all my life. Now, generally speaking, you would look at that and you'd say, you know, oh, wow, I came to him and asked him what I need to do to inherit eternal life. And he told me to do what I've always done. This is great. And you'd go, you know, go back home feeling good about yourself. Well, he knew evidently that he had a problem of some kind because he said, what do I still lack? There was a problem. And he evidently knew it. And he asked Jesus, what do I still lack? Jesus looked at him, loved him, knew what his problem was, and he told him. He said, sell what you've got. Give it to the poor. Come, take up your cross and follow me. And he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great riches. Now you think about it. This young man, we don't know how old he was. He's described as young. Just say for the sake of argument, he's about 20 years old. So he's about a 20-year-old man. You're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of A.D. 30. Well, in AD 70, the Romans come in and totally destroy Jerusalem. So from AD 30 to AD 70, you got about 40 years. It was extremely possible that this, at the time, young man was a man of 60. At the time, the Romans came in and took everything he had. So, by walking away sorrowful, being unwilling to do what Jesus told him to do, he might have got to keep his material things for 40 more years at the price of eternity. Short-term gain, long-term loss, it's a fool's bargain. A material focus in life can cost us our soul. And that's what Peter's talking about. They are short-sighted even to blindness and have forgotten that they were cleansed from their old sins. 
It's a dangerous, dangerous thing. And it's not something that happens just all at once. You know, nobody gets up. Nobody is, is a Christian. They've been a Christian for years. They've lived a, a life of faithful service to God for years. And then one morning they get up and they say, oh, well, I'm, I'm through with that. I'm going to go live for the devil the rest of my life. Nobody does that. But what happens is, is we are affected by these things. Our, our, our mindset is changed just a little bit at a time over time. We're influenced by the things around us, by media, by the people that we hang out with, things like that. And, and our, our focus gradually shifts. And we don't even know what's happening. And that's what's dangerous about it. Because it happens and you don't even know what's going on. In Hebrews chapter 2, in verse 1, the Hebrew writer says, Therefore we must pay the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Why? lest we drift away. He said, if we don't pay heed, earnest heed, to the things that we have heard, we are in danger of drifting away. I like to think about it this way. I've got a, a brother-in-law. Uh, he used to like to fish a lot. He'd go down to the lake and, and uh, spend all kinds of time fishing, but he, he was not... Let's see, how do you put this? Not the sharpest pencil in the box. Didn't necessarily pay as much attention to things as he should. And there were times when he would do things like, you know, he would pull his boat up to the bank and get out and get on the bank to eat lunch or something like that. And then after 15 minutes, remember, ooh, I forgot to tie the boat. And the wind's been blowing a little bit. And when he looks, you know, the boat's 15 yards off the bank now. And the only way to get it is to go swimming. He wasn't paying attention. His boat drifted away. That's exactly what the Hebrew writer's talking about. That, that is the, the word picture that he's painting. Lest we drift away. Because that's what happens. Our focus changes and we start to drift. And it can be a really, really dangerous thing. And it's, it's one of those things that we have to bear in mind that there comes a time if, if we continue to drift. We can drift so far that we can't get back. If, if we are that nearsighted, that short-sighted, that we are essentially spiritually blind, you know, we're not looking at the things that we ought to look at anymore. And it really doesn't occur to us to do it anymore. And we have forgotten that we've been cleansed from our old sins. And that's why over in Hebrews chapter 5, the Hebrew writer is talking to people who should have been progressing, but they have been regressing. Instead of growing and becoming stronger as Christians, they've been going backwards. Verse 12, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And he tells them we need to leave 
the elementary discussion of the principles of Christ. We need to go on because verse 4 in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 6, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. He says it's impossible. They have drifted so far that you can't get them back. So how do you stop that? You have to pay attention to what's going on. You have to pay attention to where you are all the time. Don't become so nearsighted that all you're paying attention to are the things immediately in front of you. Start thinking about not just what's here and now, think about the hereafter. And this afternoon, God willing, we'll talk about the cure for spiritual nearsightedness. It may be that there's someone here this morning that's not a Christian. Up until now, that's all you've been focusing on are the things that are closest to you. But you can change that. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you could come forward confessing your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and you could be baptized, have your sins washed away. Or it may be that you're an erring child of God. You've started that drift away from God. You've become spiritually nearsighted. If that be the case, you can go to God in prayer, confess your sin to him from a repentant heart and ask him to forgive you. And he's promised to do that. If your sin is public in nature, then your repentance should be public as well so that you'll not bring shame and reproach upon the church. Or it might be that there's someone here who just needs to come forward and ask for the prayers of those that are gathered here for some other reason. Whatever your need is, would you come forward and make it known while together we stand and sing.